21 through 25. The reason we are reading them together is because this is actually the division within the text. So verses 21 through 29 is the last division of the chapter, and so there's a continuation of thought here that is important, and so I want to keep that within its context as we, as we continue our study. So read with me verse 21 through, uh, verses 21 through verses, or through verse 29. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from, the, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Again, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Wendell, will you pray for us, please, sir? Thank you and be seated. Over the past few weeks, as I mentioned, we have found our focused our study on verses 24 and 25. And within these verses, Paul explains that he had both a personal part in the suffering of Christ and the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul explained his personal part of the sufferings of Jesus in verse 24, in which he stated, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, the, the who is Paul, Paul is saying, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So Paul is saying again that he had a, he recognized, and we've seen this throughout the text and through Acts, we've already seen that Paul was given a portion of the afflictions of Christ which were named to him. And so they were his. This was Paul's suffering for the gospel. This is Paul's part of the sufferings of Christ. And Paul had to identify and embrace this, and he did so. Then Paul explained his personal part in the ministry of the gospel. In verse 25, he continued, Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Last week I explained to you that while suffering for the gospel is not greater than the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel and suffering for the gospel are inseparably linked and connected. Therefore, when one is a follower of Jesus Christ, he as well gives himself to the reality of suffering for the sake of the gospel ministry. Now, it's interesting, as I said last week as well, that Paul mentions in verse 24 the suffering or the afflictions of the gospel, the afflictions of Christ, before he ever mentions the ministry of the gospel. But we understand that the sufferings for the gospel's sake only were realized because of the ministry of the gospel, but Paul mentions the sufferings first. Not because I believe Paul is saying, 
trying to emphasize how much he has suffered for the cause of Christ. But he's emphasizing the fact that you cannot separate the two. There, if you are in, involved in the ministry of the gospel, there are sufferings as well that are given to you. And, and Peter teaches us that. Paul teaches us that. Jesus teaches us that. Remember what Jesus said, I believe in Matthew's gospel and as well, maybe in Luke. But he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So if you're going to follow him, there's first a self-denial, deny himself, take up his cross, there is suffering, and then there is the following, the submission of, of following Christ. So we recognize these are connected inseparably. Last week, um, we broke down verse 25, if you recall, in which Paul referred to his personal part in the ministry of the gospel to which God had appointed him. Paul stated, whereof I am made a minister. So God called Paul to the gospel. Verse, Acts chapter 9, verse 6 says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? This is the time of Paul's conversion. And the Lord said unto him, unto Paul, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. This was directly from God. Jesus speaking to Paul saying, go to the city and I will have it told to you what you are to do. And then Acts 9.15, concerning uh, God speaking to Ananias about Paul in, this, in, this same, in the same uh, uh, account of Paul's conversion. Acts 9.15, but the Lord said unto him, to Ananias, go thy way, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Here's what God was going to tell Paul to do. This is what he's telling Ananias about Paul. The Lord further then explained to Ananias in verse 16, which we've referenced many times, for I, the Lord, will show him, Paul, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So he says he's going to go to the Gentiles, to the kings, to the children of Israel, and I'm going to show him also the next verse, how great suffering he will experience. So the call of Paul to the ministry was a call to suffering. And we must understand and acknowledge that because the same is true and it's personal. This is not some general thing. Again, we have, I'm afraid that we have generalized this to the point that we view gospel ministry as something that is just going to keep going on and, and we just have to, where we want to plug in, we plug in. Where we want to, you know, if something interests us, then we'll take part in this. That's not at all what this is. You have a specific part. If you, if you are going to personally one day be in eternity with the Lord, then you personally have a part in the ministry of the gospel and you personally will suffer as a part of that ministry of the gospel. It is given to us to suffer for his namesake. And so we must understand that these things are inseparable. And, and that's not what we want. That's not what, generally speaking, even those who are attending church services today want. And none of us personally want suffering, but yet we must recognize, as it's been said so many times, we often view this from the perspective of, when we make this statement, we view it from the perspective of taking Scripture out of context and trying to subjectively use it, or we view it from the perspective of, you know, just salvation itself, how it's not meant for, you know, for us just to glean and... and, and and, and rejoice in alone, but rather there's a purpose behind this. So we often make the statement, it's not about you. It's not about me. And often when we make that statement, we view that from that perspective of, it's not about me. Oh, this is about, you know, this is about God's will being done. And yes, it is. But we must understand, even when it comes to the ministry of the gospel and the suffering for righteousness sake, this is not about you. And I've often said so many times, you will never suffer for your righteousness. 
ever. You know why? You have no righteousness for which to suffer. But you will always suffer for the righteousness of Christ. So even in our suffering, it's not about us. It's about him and identifying in him and with him. The Lord further said, then I will show Paul what he will suffer for my name's sake. And Paul's conversion clearly revealed the connection of the gospel ministry and suffering as those called by God to redemption in Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say, according to the dispensation of God which is given to me, the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ is no less personal than the call to redemption and the call to suffering for the gospel as one who is identified in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I told you last week, the word dispensation, it means stewardship or administration. And Paul explains that God had given, he said God had given to him personal stewardship of the gospel, as Paul stated in this verse. Again, verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, the stewardship, administration of God, which is given to me. And then he says, for you. In both the sufferings of Paul and the ministry of the gospel, we see he is selflessly giving himself on behalf of those to whom he ministered. He says again in verse 24. I don't want to belabor the point, but notice what he says. Who now, Paul, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. This shows the selflessness of Paul in the sufferings of Christ and how he's saying it's on your behalf, but it's, the identifying of the, it's me identifying the afflictions of Christ and the sufferings left behind for me to suffer. Then he says, verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So notice in both the sufferings of Christ which, to which Paul identified and the gospel ministry to which Paul was called. It wasn't about him. It was for others. But it was the ministry of God and the sufferings of Christ on the behalf of others. But there's a selflessness of Paul that is present here that we cannot escape. Again, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The first thing that's necessary in truly following after Jesus is self-denial. There is a selflessness. You, myself, generally speaking, the church today, I think we don't have a good perspective of this at all. And I think that we are constantly looking for our gain, constantly looking for how we can benefit. Again, it's often been said, even as a church general, general sense, that the church today is viewed from a consumer mentality. We've been taught this. And it's always about, you know, what can it do for me? How can I gain from being here? What can I get out of this? How does this help me? And so we see that this is what's often viewed from a, a perspective of the church when that has nothing to do with what the church is about and being a part of the church. There has to be a selfless understanding, a selfless mentality. It's not for us. Look, you should not even come here for yourself and gather for you. You will benefit if you gather in the right spirit and right reason, for the right reason. But this is not about you and it's not about me. It's about Christ, about his truth, about the gospel, about suffering for, the, for righteousness sake and us edifying one another, ministering to each other. Not us getting something for us, but us giving on the behalf of others. And us ministering one to another 
as God has called us to do. This is not about us. It's about caring for one another, ministering to one another, and edifying one another as God has called us to do. And so Paul says, this is for you. And it's a dispensation given to me to fulfill the word of God. So we see here where Paul makes his statement. He was selflessly giving himself of himself on behalf of those to whom he ministered. Then he goes on to say, to fulfill the word of God. There was more to be revealed concerning the fulfillment of God's redemptive, eternal redemptive purpose on behalf of those to whom he ministered. We see that this is through the proclamation of the gospel that this purpose was being fulfilled. And Paul is ministering specifically to the Gentiles. And so specifically ministering to them, we see that it is the call of God for Paul to do this. This is his part. So within the remaining verses of this chapter, we find the explanation of what Paul meant by his statement in verse 25 concerning this part we've expounded on to fulfill the word of God. And Paul's statement that God had made him a minister according to the dispensation, according to the stewardship of God, which was given to him, which is given to me, Paul said. So we see this explanation provided by Paul as we read these verses together. So let's again read verses 25 through 29, and then we'll start to dig into some of this portion of the text. Whereof, Paul says, I am made a minister according to the dispensation, the stewardship or administration of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Just like the afflictions that were left behind for Paul, now he's responsible in his part in the fulfillment of God's eternal redemptive work as a minister of God, as a steward of the gospel. He goes on to say, verse 26, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. As indicated in the remaining verses of this chapter, Paul was given a specific ministry concerning the gospel. Now hear me, Paul was given a specific ministry. This was specific and personal to Paul. But that does not mean that we do not have the same, that God has given us a specific personal part in the gospel. So Paul explained verse 25 again and verse 26. Notice these together. Whereof I made a minister according to the stewardship and dispensation of God, which is given to me, this is personal, for you on your behalf to fulfill the word of God, to complete the gospel ministry. Verse 26, here he begins to explain to the Colossian believers, the church of Colossae, what this stewardship consisted of. Paul understood what his part was. See, he wasn't just some general thing. Well, yeah, I need to, I need to try to be involved in the gospel work. No, he says there is a specific stewardship that God has given me. And here's what it is. Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now he's going to expound on that even further in the following verses. But Paul had been called by God to the ministry of the mystery of the gospel. So let's begin, and we're not going to get very far into this this morning, I can already tell you. I meant to, honestly, my intention was to finish verse twenty. 
6 through verse 29 and finish this chapter this morning. But that is just not going to be the case. So we're going to begin by, and all God's people said. (laughs) So we're going to begin by looking at the wonder of the mystery. Let's consider this mystery of which Paul speaks. First of all, now he's going to explain what this mystery is, but before we get ahead of ourselves, we're going to see this in these verses and verses which we will reference concerning the mystery. And I want you to understand that the mystery is very specific. People have often thought, I believe, in a general sense again, that the mystery is referring to salvation as a whole, which it it is that, but it's specifically in reference to the salvation of the Gentiles. This is the mystery of which Paul writes. So let's see how that is going to be revealed throughout the Scriptures. The word mystery carries the sense of something unknown. When something is mysterious, when something we refer to as a mystery, it is something that is unknown. But it's also something, of course, that catches our attention. And the actual meaning of the word mystery is something not understood or something beyond understanding. So this mystery of which Paul speaks, we'll see, falls into that definition perfectly. This mystery, first of all, we see, A, this mystery was hidden. Verse 26 says, The mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. The mystery which Paul mentions in this verse is one which was declared throughout the Old Testament by the prophets, yet remained a mystery all the same. So it's not, in other words, in this case, it was not that the mystery was not known, but it was that this mystery of which Paul speaks was beyond the understanding of those to whom the mystery had been declared. We see the mystery referenced throughout the Old Testament and then explained within several passages within the New Testament. In Deuteronomy 32.21, we read, They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Paul explained the meaning of this statement in Deuteronomy in the book of Romans. Romans 10, 19, and 20. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Isaiah is Isaiah the prophet, of course. And so here Paul is saying that while Moses speaks and says, oh, and it's given to Moses to say, of course, about the provoking by a people of a foolish nation, of this, this people that are not a people, if you will. But then Isaiah stated that I was found of them that sought me not, that God is saying this. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Paul further mentioned in Romans that Isaiah prophesied that God would reveal himself to those who did, he did not seek. In Isaiah 65, when we find this prophecy, I am sought of them that asked not for me, as we just mentioned. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. This is the mystery. Who is the nation that's not called by his name? This would be the peculiar nation, the peculiar people. These are the Gentiles who become part of the body of Christ, are grafted into 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the tree. Romans 11 refers to him as such. Israel were the natural branches. Gentiles are not natural branches, but what happened? Israel and the branches were cut off that the Gentiles might be grafted in. And we see Romans 11, the very reason for this to be. Paul explains it very clearly. Paul then back in Romans expounded on those who were not called by God's name that these are the Gentiles. In Romans 9.30, he says, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Notice back again in what Isaiah said. He said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Compare that to what Paul says in Romans. Again, because in Romans, Paul says, what shall we say then? Verse verse 30 of chapter 9 that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness. We're not seeking after God. We're not involved in, in God's law. We're not involved in Judaism whatsoever. Have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Paul quoted Hosea, which says in Hosea 2.23, Hosea said, And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. Then Paul's quote of Hosea 2 is in Romans 9 again in verses 22 to 26. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith also in O.C., which is Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall be called, or there they shall be, they be called the children of the living God. From these Old Testament passages and the New Testament explanations, which is what I was wanting to show you, we see that this mystery of which Paul speaks in Colossians is one which was declared to Israel throughout the Old Testament by the prophets. And even in Deuteronomy it was declared. And yet they were not able to understand the truth of this mystery. It was declared in ages past, but yet the mystery was not understood. And that's the definition of mystery itself. Again, something not understood or something beyond understanding. Israel, Old Testament, could not understand that God is clearly saying, I'm going to make a people which are not a people my people. Those who sought not after me, I'm going to say, behold me, behold me. Are you hearing that? The scripture says in the Old Testament that God has declared that there are a people which know nothing of him, which have no desire for him, which do not want to be apart with him, and yet he will reveal himself and say, behold me, behold me. I will make these people my beloved. I will make these people my people, which were not a people. This is the mystery. And I say to you, what a mystery it is. When we stand here, we cannot even fully understand the truth of this mystery and the depths of this mystery. But I am saying to you at the same time, we can sure appreciate this mystery. And it's one that has been declared throughout time and yet hidden from those to whom it was 
declared. It is this truth of a declared mystery, which was unable to be understood, which now brings us to Paul's next statement in verse 26. Not only has this mystery been hid, but this mystery has now been manifested. Verse 26, but now is made manifest to his saints. Who are the saints? Those whom God has separated unto himself, those who God has made his, have made his people, those who are declared holy, those who are declared righteous, those who are declared justified by God. The saints are the believers. And guess who they include? Jew and Gentile alike. It doesn't matter. Those who are of the Jewish descent or those who are Gentile lineage, they are saints. They are peculiar people, a holy nations, set apart unto God, as we're told throughout the Scriptures. So this mystery has now been clearly revealed, and the references to the hidden mystery has now been clearly explained within the New Testament. Jesus is the revelation of the mystery. Jesus did not come to die only for the people of Old Testament Israel, but he has died for the sins of the world, which is referencing Jew and Gentile alike. That's cosmos. And it speaks of the inhabitants as well, of course, as Scripture refers to it. But the cosmos is God's creation. Jesus himself testified to this when he spoke to his disciples in John's Gospel record, when he said in John 10, 15 through 16, Jesus said, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then in verse 16 he said, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Paul further explained this truth in his letter to the Ephesian believers. And this is quite a lengthy passage, but I believe it's necessary for us to read this as we see the sister book, if you will, of Colossians in Ephesians to some degree. In Ephesians 3, 1 through 12, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Here's Paul identifying in the sufferings of Christ. When he says prisoner, he's talking about literally being in prison. <laughs> he is jailed and on their behalf or for them, but it's the cause of Christ for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word. Here it is again, the stewardship and the administration given to me for you. How that by revelation he, God, made known unto me the mystery, same mystery he's referring to, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, here's the, here's the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, Jesus said one shepherd, one fold, the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister. Is this, this sound so familiar to Colossians? Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is the mystery. 
and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him or by the faithfulness of him. Here Paul is saying in these 12 verses, he is really in a, a very summarized form saying the same thing in Colossians. But here Paul is saying in Ephesians concerning this mystery, that God had made known to him the mystery. Now he is sharing his knowledge in the mystery, which is that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs, made of the same body, partakers of the same promise in Christ. And he goes on to say that my part in this is to preach unto you the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery us particip- becoming participants in this mystery. He goes on to say, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a mystery that was hid from ages and generations, but declared throughout ages and generations, but yet the mystery didn't begin ages and generations ago. This is the eternal purpose of God, which he purposed in Jesus Christ. God purposed, God determined this, that the Gentiles would be made part of this holy nation of peculiar people to which the New Testament references. This mystery is part of the eternal purpose of God which is purposed in Jesus Christ. As Paul explained in the passage of Ephesians we just read, the wonder of this mystery is in how it was hidden And yet now it has been revealed through the word of God and the ministry of the gospel to the Gentiles. I say this morning, thank the Lord. And it's still morning, by the way. Thank the Lord for the truth of the mystery of the gospel. As Paul concluded chapter 11 of Romans, chapters 9, 10, and 11 are dealing with this truth of God making, bringing the Gentiles in, cutting Israel off, and he brings the Gentiles in, and then just as we've been grafted into Christ, so Israel must also, so the Jews must also be grafted into Christ. Paul is making that very clear throughout Romans 11. You can read through it and study through that. And he concludes Romans 11 with actually the last verse being the church, our theme verse as a church body. And he says in Romans eleven thirty three through 36, which is all in regards to this mystery. It is all in relation to what God has done and is doing. And these are the words of Paul. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? Verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen here paul is explaining the wonder of this mystery what is the mystery that we should be fellow heirs that we should be made part of the body of christ 
And this is something that God declared throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. And yet, they could not understand. But now, through the apostles and prophets, the Spirit of God revealed the mystery. So all the mystery of the Old Testament, which is the church, which God has, has birthed through the Lord Jesus Christ, has now been revealed to us, His saints, those who become a part of this fellowship of the mystery, that we would be made part of the body of Christ. What a mystery! But it's no longer a mystery to us. It is now understood. We now understand these truths. I'm reminded as well of uh, Corinthians. Let me turn there quickly. Paul said in Corinthians when he writes, I've forgotten the actual reference, but he, I'll quote it to you as best as I can, and you may can find it quickly. Paul says, I hath not seen, for it is written, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither entered into the uh, mind of man or the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. But the next verse, Paul says, but God hath revealed them unto us. By his spirit. Here's what Paul is saying. And we take that verse off where, oh, we just one day beyond our understanding we'll realize. That. No. Paul's talking about the mystery of the gospel. He's writing to the Corinthian church. He says, the, the scripture says, I believe it's Isaiah who, who prophesied this and said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And people, oh, heaven must be wonderful. That's not talking about heaven, it's talking about your salvation. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The deep things of God, those things that have been hidden from ages past, God has revealed them unto us. Is that not a humbling thought? What all of Old Testament Israel could not understand, God's revealed it to a people who were no people, and He's made us His people. This is the wonder of the mystery. Hidden through ages past, Revealed unto us, but not just revealed so we might have a knowledge of it, revealed in making that mystery real to us and making us a part of that mystery of his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus. What a mystery! What a revelation of the mystery! What a redeemer of the mystery! What a God who purposed this mystery. And now it's revealed it to us. Let's pray together. Father.